Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Mike Kennedy, radio voice of Wichita State University Sports, sportscaster. Is that okay? That's fine. (laughs) Welcome to Issues 2018, Mike. You know, athletics is a big part of what happens at many universities across the country. It's also a multi-billion dollar enterprise, and a good part of many universities' image is related to sports. I had the pleasure of working with Mike on our KNSS morning show for several years, and we, we had a pretty good time, didn't we? It was very much fun, yes. <laughs> uh, do you miss getting up early morning? <laughs> I still do, actually. I still get up, and that's when I do a lot of my work, is first thing. I just got in the habit, and I find it's a good time to get things done before everybody's up and yeah. phones ringing and all that sort of thing. And so. they say that's the way it is with older folks. Yeah. The one thing that was different, <laughs> one thing that was different for me than, I don't know if you're, how you are, but uh, I never, ever got into that routine where I just woke up at that time of the morning. I, if it weren't for an alarm clock, I would never get up. You early, couldn't so. get yourself up. Right. Well, that's one of the... So, yeah, but I mean, but I don't have any problem. I get up and I get moving pretty quickly once the alarm goes off. Once the alarm goes. Tell us about how you got started in radio I, and uh, with Wichita State Sports. Tell us about that. Well, the... I always, when I was a kid, I played sports, and I loved sports, and I followed everything. But uh, I I realized in high school I wasn't going to be a professional athlete or even probably a college athlete. And uh, I I loved music. I loved singing. And so I I started, I was a vocal music major at Wichita State. And uh, my singing career was kind of like my athletic career. I was pretty good. But I wasn't going to be a, a pro in that either. I was going to be a teacher, and, with, and I have the utmost respect for teachers. But I just realized that that was not what I was headed for. It's not what I wanted to do. And one of my instructors in the School of Music was the father of one of my high school classmates. And I'd known him for several years. And yeah. I was in his office one day just chatting. And it came up. I said, I, you know, I just I don't think I want to teach. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I've always had it in my mind that I'd like to be a sports broadcaster. And he said, well, the only way you're ever going to find out is to go try it, which, of course, is the simplest advice, but I just needed somebody to say that to me. And I went over to the campus station, KMUW, took a couple of classes, started doing stuff on air, and just, you know, I was hooked from the, the first moment. And so I went ahead and graduated with my degree in music. I was only a couple of semesters away, but started looking for jobs in broadcasting as soon as I got out and found one in Chanute, and that's where it started. I worked in Chanute and then Pittsburgh, and it just happened I was looking for the next place and and especially wanted to get into professional baseball and ended up back here. The Wichita Arrows were looking for a play-by-play broadcaster. So I did that for about a year and a half and cake came to me and heard me, and uh, they were taking over the Wichita State contract from KFH because Wichita State was looking for more television games. And so I went to work for them doing morning radio, uh, did radio play-by-play on the 
six or eight games a year that were on television. Bill Land was their sports director, and he was the the main guy. And uh, weekend TV. And then after four years of that, the stations got sold, and the new owners of the radio stations came to me and said, we would like you to be our full-time play-by-play broadcaster. And so that was... This is year 39 now since that all started. 39 since the first job or 39 since 39 Wichita? 39 since I started doing Wichita. 39th year is the quote-unquote voice of the Shockers. And then what, what was the year that you started at Chanute then? 1971. 71. Okay. I'm just getting the numbers straight in my <laughs> mind. And then when you were you're talking, it's just so much, it kind of parallels some of us who have gotten into this business. Uh, I had much of the same thing when I was a kid and realized that you know I didn't have that arm to throw that ball across the diamond. <laughs> but uh, did you dream about radio? Did you think about radio when you were a kid? Or is it mostly, did you listen to radio? I'll bet you did. I, I tell people this, and, and I, I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's unrelated. The, the year, the Christmas that I got my first basketball and first basketball goal, I had just turned nine years old, I also got a crystal set radio. And for those that don't remember those, it was, uh, I mean, it, it had some copper wires and there was a cardboard uh, kind of dial position thing and a tuner. You had a little dial that Pretty you could Pretty cheap tune. and very simple. And it, yeah, yeah. And it, got, uh, it got the local stations, and, but it didn't have speakers. You had to listen to it with headphones. Okay. You had these hard plastic headphones. What was great about that was I could go to bed at my bedtime and put those headphones on and listen to college basketball games at night, and, and my parents knew, I'm sure, but allowed it. And so there was always, for me, kind of a correlation between sports and the radio. Yeah. It, was just always, uh, it was just always there for me. And so, that yeah, I think it was always in the back of my mind. I, I literally would play games by myself in my backyard and do play-by-play out loud while I was playing. I'll tell you what, uh, the similarities. I, mean, <laughs> I would almost bet a Dollar that you and I were both listening to the radio the night that uh, Wichita State beat Cincinnati out at the field house. I was jumping around, throwing, <laughs> throwing pillows across the My room. My dad even yeah. got excited. Yeah. Wow, that was, that was exciting. It's, yeah. it's interesting because uh, uh, the way we, we start out in the, in the places we go. Now, what's, now, what sports are you actually covering now, Mike? I do volleyball, women's volleyball in the fall, and then men's basketball and baseball. And when there's overlap, and there is a little bit at the end of volleyball and at the start of baseball, then basketball takes priority, and uh, and we have other people that'll do those games that I can't. But I do, on the average, about 110 games a year for Wichita State. Uh, just as a quick sidebar, because I think I've shared this story with you. When I was at KWB, I'd started my career. The Arrows had just started on the radio. I got to watch uh, Jack Munley. You remember Jack yeah, Munley? Yeah, sure. I got to watch him do a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, oh, a recreation? A recreation game. Yeah. And that's where you sit in a studio. The game was in Des Moines. Yeah. And he was, had a ticker, and he, was re- he had sound effects and everything. You ever see that? I actually... Uh, I've actually done a little bit of that. Not a full game, but... Uh, I can't remember what year it was now, but remember the year that baseball had a strike in about two-thirds of the way into the season, and it canceled the World Series. And I was doing a talk show here with a young man named Bill Riley, and we decided we took our hour talk show between 6 and 7 one week, and we did a World Series. We took the Montreal Expos and the Yankees, who were leading 
had the best records at the time of the strike and and uh, had this <laughs> table game that we could you know yeah. approximate and then we did an hour game you know recreated so I, but there I also met a man there was a guy named Marv Bates who did Evansville when I was uh, in the American Association doing the Wichita Arrows, and Marv recreated road games. And I never actually saw him do one, but I met him when we'd go there, and he did the home games live. I got to meet him and talk to him, and uh, Joe Garagiola had him on his pregame show one time on NBC showing how he did it and so forth. <laughs> wow. that's, a, that's a lost art for sure. So, so uh, this is, I think I know the answer to this one. You and I have spent so many mornings together. What's your favorite sport, Mike? I've always said if I had to just pick one, it would be baseball. That's what I got into it for in the first place. And it's still, to me, I love it because I'm a stat guy. It has so many stats. And it's it's the most challenging from the standpoint of every game moves at a different pace because it depends on the pitcher and how fast he works. And you have different amounts of time between pitches. But I, I also have to qualify it and say for a one-time event, there's nothing more exciting than a great college basketball oh, game. Yeah. And, uh, and the challenge would, there for you, listening to you guys doing the show, the, the broadcast is getting the numbers in there that we need and squeezing them in there. You and Dave Dahl squeezing them in there, and, and it's it's a, it's an art. The two guys do it, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. I've always told people when young people ask me about you know learning to be a broadcaster and preparing, I tell them it's it's a skill like anything else. You just you develop it over time. You develop. Uh, the knack and the feel for doing certain things, and that that all comes into play. Is in it a generational thing that uh, I, I'm the same way about numbers and stats, especially in baseball and, and on especially network television? You got none of that anymore, and I think that just takes away from the game. Yeah, I, I think there, you know. We've been in this business long enough. We see trends and and fads and things. And uh, even uh, and this is not a criticism on any individual locally or anything else. But if you watch local, you know the local sports on TV, there's a a certain style that's in existence now. Nicknames, clever phrases, those kinds of things. It's the same way on a lot of network TV broadcasts yeah. where there it's it's more personality and and less. Facts and stats and things. Well, honestly, I think the hardcore fan wants the other stuff. I, I get a little too much personality. I was, I was listening to uh, a guy named Adam Amin do the Dodger playoff game the other day, and I've met him. He's done some Wichita State games. Really sharp young guy and really does his homework and really prepares. And he and Jim Bowden, a former big league general manager, were doing the game, and I loved listening to them. I mean, they really gave you a lot of cool stats and notes. And you listen to John Shomby and, and uh, Singleton, and it's it's a lot of personality and kidding around, and, and you listen, you really listen you're not getting a whole lot of what know, kind of pitch was that yeah, and all that it, sort of thing. The thing know? is, if you're a personality, if people, you know, there are people in national politics right now, 50-50, either they <laughs> like him or they hate him, and, and with very few exceptions. You know, a guy who, like a Bob Euchre can turn it on and just make everybody laugh. But, but you still, yeah, yeah, but he still gives you all the, yeah, he the nuts and bolts. That's, and I've, that's the, something I've always tried to be careful about. I'm not as spontaneously funny as some guys, and I know that. And so once in a while, something will come up, and I know it's kind of a funny or clever thing to say, and I'll do it. And sometimes it's playing off the guy you're working yeah, with. Yeah. But but not too much of that. And I still believe people listen to hear the game and hear what's going on in the game. Do that first, and the rest should mix in later. A question often asked, uh, 
Who do you think was a, has been or is the Shockers' greatest basketball player? Which does say? Uh, it's Dave Stallworth. And uh, <laughs> honestly, um, <laughs> if, if I had to, I, I honestly think, and it's unfortunate because it, it was predicated, I think, on his pro career. Dave had some heart problems mm-hmm. after he got to the New York Knicks, and he was a contributing player on a championship team, but he was never an NBA star. And I think it diminished how he's remembered as a college player because I, I contend to this day, as a college player, he was right there with Oscar Robertson or any other greats of his time. I think he was was one of the, you know, 10 what a, whatever, maybe greatest college players of all time. What a thrill it was when we were kids to watch that guy. And, and, and I he, think yeah. that he was kind of ahead, ahead of his time in that he was six seven, but could handle the ball like a guard. He could shoot outside. He'd be a three-point shooter today. Pass. He could score, yeah, yes. score on the basket. Extremely unselfish. A guy that averaged well over 20 points a game throughout his career that that was a great passer, as you said, and, and not a guy that took a whole lot of shots. What do you think we're going to look for this season? Put you on the spot here. Well, it's going to be fun, I think, and interesting because it's it's a really, really young team. There are only like four guys on the whole team that have played in a Division One game, and a couple of them not very much. But uh, it's going to be one of the most athletic teams that he's ever had, maybe the most athletic. I think that there's a – it's interesting. There's sort of a collective sense with this group of coming together early. They were in contact on social media through the summer after they'd signed their, their letters of intent, kind of already getting together and some talk, you know, some chip on their shoulder. People aren't respecting us. They don't think we're going to be very good. I like. I mean, I think it's the kind of group that he's going to enjoy coaching, but it's just so inexperienced. There are going to be some growing pains, but I think it's going to be fun to watch them grow and develop over the season. You're listening to issue. 2018 on the intercom radio stations. Our guest is Mike Kennedy, radio voice of Wichita State University Sports. And we're kind of going inside here a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about some other issues in a minute. But what, tell us about Chalker Volleyball. And, and what, what did you have to do? Did you develop a new language or did you just remember what happened in junior high? Or? Oh, no. It was <laughs> totally. Uh, and, and just so people are aware, in 2004, Wichita State made the NCAA tournament for the first time in volleyball. And Chris Lamb uh, is just a tremendous coach, one of the best I've ever been around, and uh, really has done an incredible job with this program. Well, that year they went to Lincoln to play in the NCAA tournament, and Jim Schaus, who was the athletic director at the time, came to the stations here and said, would you be willing to broadcast our matches from up there? And they agreed, and and Ted, your your cohort, went to do them because he's done some play-by-play and had done a lot of volleyball public address at the home matches, and so he had some knowledge of the sport. So he went up and did those, and I guess people really responded well to it, of hearing it. And, of course, we haven't had football for a long time, so there wasn't a Wichita State fall sport on the air. And the next year, 2005, it's about a week, week and a half before the season was going to start. I get a call from Jim Schaus saying, we've decided we're going to do all the volleyball matches. Would you be interested in doing them? Well, first I asked my wife because that's another full season. It's 30 games a year, there you, you know, go. and more travel, travel. and all that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I think you'll be amused by what she said. She th- said, okay, with one, one rule. And I said, what? She said, you're the last one on the bus and the first one off. I'm not going to have that parade of cute little butts and f- spandex shorts walking <laughs> oh. by you all the time. Yeah. So... So, uh, so then the issue was I had watched Shocker Volleyball. You know, I'd been to matches. I had a, 
you know, a pretty good understanding of the rules, at least most of the basic rules, but no understanding, not having ever played the game other than in the backyard or whatever yeah. of, of, you know, strategy and all those kinds of things. And I knew I'd be able to appreciate a, a hustle player, really athletic play or something like that. But in terms of knowing if somebody was in the right place or any of that, I had no idea. So I started going to practice every day, and Chris Lamb, the coaching staff, were just tremendous at at helping me out. And then you mentioned terminology is important, too, because it is the fastest moving sport that I've ever done. We went to a started the season at a tournament in Houston on the way down. Uh, Chris, who has said he had listened to me do, you know, shocker sports, baseball and basketball closely, said, no, you're not going to be able to describe every touch and every pass like you do in basketball. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, we'll see, you know. And it took me about 30 seconds to figure out that that was, that was <laughs> yeah. true. So just learning how much you can get in intelligibly. And then I heard some other I, – I had a chance to hear a couple of other guys that had done college volleyball for a while and some terminology that – like the term pipe set – volleyball people means a ball set in the middle of the back row well pipe sets a lot quicker to say than set to the middle of the back row yeah, so yeah. learning some of those things uh helped me pick it up and and it's just been a learning process over time but i absolutely love it you know local sports fans often well not often but occasionally speculate on the return of shocker football any predictions mike i think uh, first of all i think dr john bardo really really wanted to see football come back at Wichita State. Uh, He was willing, I think, to buck all the obstacles if it was conceivable at all. And I think this last time, when they were when they were scouting for a new conference affiliation, they also did as extensive a a look into whether football was feasible or not as you could possibly do and consulted people who'd had success starting up other programs. And I think that they just came to the conclusion that it just isn't very feasible. It doesn't really make sense in mm-hmm. Wichita State. And they were able to get into a really, really good conference without having to have football. And so I, I think that really has kind of made it a dead issue. And, and the longer it goes, the more expensive it gets, the harder it is to to sustain a football program. Even the, the schools in the biggest conferences, it's amazing how many of them actually lose money on football. And, but and the and money, money they get from conference, divvying up bowl appearances and stuff like that keeps it going. How often have you heard of a, a major university getting into football? Well, it just was, doesn't happen. There it? was a story on uh, 60 Minutes three or four years ago, and it was in, it just stunned me how few schools actually make I mean, you know, big names, maybe a Michigan State or somebody like that, don't actually make money on football. Wow. Uh, Wichita's going to have a new stadium and a new AAA baseball team. What, what's that going to mean to the community, Mike? What do you think? Well, I hope that they're excited about it and and support it. I, I think the potential is there. This has always been a good baseball town, but it hasn't always been a good minor league baseball town. And uh, I worked for the the Arrows at one time, and I you know I've kind of experienced it from the inside. It's uh, it's something that you have to get people in the habit of doing. Base, I mean, you're talking about 140 games or whatever, and so you've got to get people sort of in the habit of going, like from the beginning in April. 
and getting it to be a, a regular thing that they do. And if you can establish that, and there are a lot of things that go into it. A new ballpark certainly will help. That That's going to feel good. Uh, promotions and things like that will be important. And then having a, a successful team is going to play into that. Uh, and people getting excited about watching, you know, young future stars on the way up and so forth. But uh, it's not an easy thing. And, uh, and I just hope that they can make it work. Certainly, I'm, I'm all in favor of it, but uh, it's, it's not like a slam dunk that it's going to be a success. Does athletics build character, Mike? I think, or does it reflect I think, character? I, honestly, I think done the right way, it does. I, I think it certainly can. Um, and, and I will say, uh, traveling with Wichita State teams, um, Greg Marshall, Chris Lamb, uh, especially maintain really high standards of how their student-athletes behave. And uh, I can't tell you how many times, like with the basketball team, that we've been in hotels or restaurants or on a plane, and somebody will come up to you because they know you're an adult associated with them and say, this is just the nicest group of young men that we've ever had. They're so respectful. And so I think... Again, I think it all plays into how you run your program, what the expectations are. Uh, with them, it's all about team. It's all about you know the kinds of things that that make you a good individual and and help build character if if you follow those things. Who were the people who influenced you in your career? Any mentors? Ah, uh, favorite announcers. Uh, well, yeah, certainly those. Um, I had an opportunity when I was in working in southeast Kansas in Chanute and Pittsburgh. I was in the right part of the state to pick up some of the big signal stations from bigger cities. And so I got to hear, sometimes a little scratchy, but I heard Ernie Harwell doing the Tigers. And, of course, uh, and here in the area, Jack Buck with the Cardinals, Cardinals. was as good as there's ever been. Yeah. I never got to hear Vin Scully other than like on the World Series or something until much later in life. But, but guys like that, I always kind of gravitated to the Jack Bucks and the people that were – uh, you know, like what we talked about, that, that give you what's going on and, and enhance it with, with interesting stats and things. And, and so uh, those were influences. As far as maybe how you go about your business, working for Cake TV for a while and Martin Umansky, I've told people this. Now, he was, he was scary. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he wasn't the easiest was... guy to work for, but he maintained such a high standard of excellence. You just you fell into having to uh, – if I have time, I'll give you a quick example. I, I did a story one time on TV, uh, Newman University, uh, and Dave Skinner was coaching there, had beaten Marymount and Salina in the, in the district championship. Marymount had been in the national tournament forever. And so they're going to the national tournament, and I go over and I do an interview with Dave and then came back to do the story, and I looked in some file footage we had and found some what you call B-roll in TV yeah. to play over the interview. And I watched about 10 seconds of it. Yep, that's what it is. So I put it in the script. Well, I get on the air, and it goes to that B-roll, and all of a sudden it breaks up. And so I went down afterward to find out what happened. And when it had initially been laid down, there was a bad place on the tape. And so they had moved forward and laid it down again. And it didn't show that there were two entries on there. So, okay. So I'm going out the door to go home for dinner, and there's Martin waiting for me. <laughs> said, what happened there? And I explained it, and he said, how long would it have taken you? Maybe another 30 seconds to watch the whole thing and make sure it was okay? And he was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's, those are the kinds of things you just you learn not to take shortcuts, and I think that was very beneficial. And preparation. 
Absolutely. And not only the, what you do and what I do, and what uh, in any job, guys, preparation. Sure. I, I always say that's the difference between being mediocre or not very good and, and being very good. And you can just tell. You listen to national guys, and you can tell who does their homework, who, who prepares and who doesn't, and who tries to slide by on, on personality. And for me, it's fun. It's never been hard to do the preparation because I love digging around for the little interesting yeah. facts and things. And so that's really one of the fun parts hey, of my job. Almost out of time. How long do you intend to keep doing this? <laughs> kind, kind of as long as I can. My, <laughs> I say kind of because uh, my wife's a little younger than I am. She's going to keep working. And as long as she does, I will for sure. I, I think that... Uh, uh, at some point, we may want to both retire and go do other things, but I don't know what that would be right now. And so I, as long, and I, I hope I have a good sense of myself and that if I'm starting to slip and I can't do it anymore, I hope that I'll, I'll be aware enough to get <laughs> you out. You know, there's right, business, somebody will let you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right now, right now, I still love it and still enjoy it. Hey, listen, this is fun. We had a good time, and like we always did on the radio, and thanks for being with us, Mike. Always a pleasure. Our guest, Mike Kennedy, radio voice of Wichita State University, sports for what 39 years now that's all for this edition of issues 2018 we'll be back next week thank you for listening i'm steve mcintosh hey rob bradford here i have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what i have known for some time baseball isn't boring now i have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show players managers gms and yes even the commissioner of baseball rob manfred it has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did